So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now, for the review of the day, got a five-star review from Sharon Dillon about the Certified Buyer Agent course. She says, on Rebus University, she says, even being a realtor for two years and having gone to Keller Williams Bowl class, my first broker, I learned some sweet nuggets that I will use. A course definitely important to newly licensed agents. Sharon, thank you for the five-star review. And... If you would like to take this course and 12 other courses, go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and do it for only seven bucks, a dollar a day for your first week. That is futureofrealestatetraining.com. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please... Subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. All right, Rockstar Nation, I got a, a rock a star on the line, Mr. Joseph C. McCabe from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He's cranking out. He's got a Remax office. He's got his own sales business. He's got a mortgage company, title company, man, he's running on full cylinders and he's killing it. And here's the funny thing, only been in the real estate game five years. And we want to talk today about, you know, what's more important, getting something perfect or getting something done and, mm-hmm. um, and how he has, you know, how he has uh, blossomed in this huge uh, real estate entrepreneur in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania so fast. So without further ado, Joseph, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, Pat. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate the opportunity. Hey, why don't you uh, get, uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, Joseph, so they can get to know you better. Sure, Pat. So so I was born in Philadelphia. I lived here my whole life. For the people listening from Philadelphia, I went to Father Judge High School uh, in the Northeast, uh, graduated from Cabrini. In between there, at some point, I was in the Army for six years. I just got out in uh, January. I was in the reserves. So I kind of did the Army thing. And then I started uh, selling real estate. I started selling real estate while I was going to school at Cabrini. And I kind of fell in love with the, the idea of constantly making a deal, constantly having to go out you know, and make your own way. And every day is different. And every deal is different. And some of them suck. You know? So it kind of went hand in hand with my military training in the sense that they prepare you for that. Mm. And then I realized how quickly, how quickly I could scale just looking at other brokerages I was at, how quickly I could scale and how much money I was missing out on by not having title, mortgage, insurance, and everything else that we have now. And then as I started working with investors, I was like, well, you know, these guys aren't much different than me. Why can't I own a hundred properties? So within the past two years, three years, really, we started a title company, mortgage company, bought over a hundred properties, uh, started an insurance company, uh, things like that. So it was just, and for me, it was all about, Hey, I just, I want to get to the top. I really have no idea how to get there, but I know that the people at the top own a shit ton of companies and a shit ton of real estate. 
So that's what I started doing. And I started building. And what initially was my biggest hurdle, being my age, because I can't tell you how many times I hear, oh, you're really young, has actually been my greatest asset because most of my office is double my age or at least 10 years older. And, and they, they come just for the energy and they think I'm a lunatic and, and they enjoy every single day of it. So how, how old are you? Uh, 26. Okay, so you were in the military for how long? Uh, I was in the military from 2013 until January 7th, uh, 2019. So you just got out. Yep, I just got out. I, I was reserves. You were reserves. You were yeah. reserve. All, you did all this while being in the Army Reserves. Yeah, exactly. Yep, and I, I did a few. Uh, I did a few reclasses actually. You know, starting real estate. Obviously, everyone who's done that knows that it's it's really hard to get a rhythm, especially if you were dumb like me and you're fighting the things that you have to do, like time blocking and cold calling every day and putting the systems in place. So I would use, you know, I'd ask the army, hey, can I go to another school and make a couple thousand dollars and then come back and sell real estate again? And I would use that to kind of bridge my real estate business until I got it up and running. So um, you know, a, lot of, a lot of what people are, are thinking on this already, I can tell, is like, all right, so how does a dude that's 26, right, you know, that's in the Army Reserve, which is a pretty demanding thing in and of itself, you, you know, and doesn't offer, a, you know, a, a massive amount of pay, you know, buy 100 houses, open a title company, open a mortgage company, open a REMAX office, you know, all this stuff costs money, you know, it's not, it's not free to begin with, you got to have money in the bank before a, a mortgage, you know, before anybody will even let allow you to loan money to other people so i want to take it uh, you know step by step on exactly how how you did this now when you first let's target to day one you you first started you became you got your real estate license right sure yeah so i um i was actually training people at la fitness so i was i was going to cabrini doing my reserve thing with the army training people at la fitness and working at gnc and uh, this agent from uh, Long and Foster, uh, Gabe Polishuk, he used to park his car next to me. And it's just a fancy Mercedes, you know, and I used to joke with him because I had a Ford Fusion. And I would tell him to park a few spots away. I didn't want him to damage my car. So later on, I end up training his girlfriend and his girlfriend tells me he's in real estate. I didn't know anything about that. Gabe brings me onto his team, gets me licensed through Long and Foster's real estate school. And I immediately jump in and like the first... I think in the first week I already had two buyers. So I start running around buyers and I'm the type of guy that like uh, they need an E&O insurance policy just for me when I got started because I was using Google to write my first deal. You know, I just kind of jumped right in and I was going to make money one Like way you didn't ask any questions. Like you Oh no. liability. <laughs> like you you didn't even get the you didn't get the broker's contract. You didn't even want to bother with that. So you just googled real estate contract and put it on that. Exactly. I remember the first call I got when I first submitted my contract, the broker just said, what the hell is this? <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, I just submitted my first. A lot offer. of brokers would just fire you right there just for not even. Yeah. I mean, okay. So then, uh, so hopefully you got that straight, right? And use the, I got that straight. Now. We're good now. Required. Contract. <laughs> yeah. And then, okay. So the first year, how many houses did you sell? Uh, so maybe in my, I think my first year I sold 15 houses, something like that. Okay, so you were you were adequate, and then but you were doing all this other shit at the same time. Second yeah. year, tell me about that. So second year, second year in real estate, I end up going to Keller Williams and getting on a team with uh, Nancy Allett, and that's when I really 
crank down. She's old school. She does 30 million plus a year in real estate. She brought me onto her team and I learned how to do everything the right way. And that's what I teach my agents now. So when people get an offer from Remax experts, it's perfect every single time. You know, there's, it's a complete package or they don't submit it. So that was one thing. Being on her team was a blessing because it taught me to do things properly the first time, fill out the contract fully and how to, how to grow your business and scale and how to break through a lot of barriers. Because obviously a, a 70 year old woman who's been in this forever, who was in the Remax system years ago, she had a lot of barriers. So she taught me a lot. She taught me a lot about marketing and being consistent. Um, basically how to take a punch in the face every single day in real estate um, and get up and just keep doing it again. So the lessons that I learned from her are just irreplaceable. And she actually comes in to talk to our agents frequently. So how, so how many houses did you sell your second year? Second year, I did about 25 on Nancy's team. And then I was consistently doing about 25 transactions a year after that. So you were never really like crushing at one of these guys that had a big, massive team or whatever. You were doing your solid business, your SOI business. Was all your businesses pretty much coming from SOI? Yeah. So everything that I did was either referrals or Zillow leads. And then I did some, uh, I, I started to try to focus on listings, but very, very quickly in the business, I realized that I wanted more money. And there were two ways to do it. You know, you can, build a, you can build a massive team and teams are very profitable. Or while working on Nancy's team, I realized, and this is when her and I started to conflict and I, I kind of opened my own title company. I realized that if I was going to make money, I needed to do what the brokers were doing. You know, the, the old guy that straggles him, that starts walking in the office every day that looks senile, that actually owns the place. Well, he has ownership in the title company, the mortgage company, and he's loaded. That's the guy I wanted to be. I didn't want to be the team leader that was hustling and, and going crazy every day. Um, of course, as the so broker this, owner. Yeah, so this is interesting because, and I agree with your perspective in some ways. I mean, like being the owner of a, of a team, although a lot of people will leverage, you know, leverage the hell out of it and, and make profit on it even though they may not uh, work a heck of a lot of hours on it, or they may, it does come with a lot of stress, no matter what there's stress involved, especially when and if the market turns or changes. And, and on the other side, I do see a lot of brokerages opening now where their profit, you know, if you took out mortgage and title from their profit, they would lose money. Or break even, so you have. It's almost a necessity at a lot of these uh, brokerages now because the profit margin on being a real estate broker has shrunk significantly. So, so it's two interesting points you pointed out there. So now we're at the end of year two. You are selling twenty five houses a year, and you decide you're going to open a title company. Yep. So that was our next step. And if you, uh, I'm sure now, you now know you a lot about word, Keller. You 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 use the word R. Why why, why is that? So what happens is I got on, um, you know, if you work with Keller or you've talked to anybody at Keller, you know that you use their in-house services. That's huge. Or you're pretty much shunned, or at least that's if, how it is. Well, if, 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 the, if the individual franchisee, you know, has that, it's not a franchisor thing. Right. It, it was the current, individual. Current time. It depends on the individual office, but go ahead. So, so we got a lot of pressure from them when we first jumped in there. Like and, they, didn't, um, they didn't like you open open anything. And when you say we, who is it? You and another agent? So that was, at that point, it's me and Mike Doyle, also from Keller Williams Langhorn. I, I know. He's him. with EXP now. Yeah. So Mike Doyle and 
and you opened a title company and, and did you just use his money? I mean, like, where'd you get the money? You're not no, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, we were able to do all of this stuff with, with no money or debt. So with the title company, it didn't cost us anything. We found a smaller local title company and we went to them and we kind of had this idea of let's open a title company and they paid for everything and did it for free. I think the only thing we paid for was our errors and emissions policy. So I think that that's, that's one of the things that a lot of people get caught up in is, well, to open the title company, to open all this, it might cost me a lot of money. Well, you know, if you can show them that you have volume and you can bring in deals, a lot of times if you just need to have yeah, the right but, conversation but, with but the right you person. But you, you didn't have, you had 25 deals a year. You know, that's, mm-hmm. not, that's not enough to... Well, so the in the title business, it's so profitable. So it was so profitable between my volume and Mike Doyle's volume. It was profitable for us. What to volume was he doing? At that time, he had to be. He was doing probably thirty-five deals or so. Really? So fifty deals a year. A title company is like, hey, we'll, we'll we'll partner with you on this. Yeah, yeah. So it's essentially the model we have is almost like an employee share where we pay per file, and then the rest of the profit comes to us. So we have a low file fee, and we still have the same setup today, and we have an extremely profitable so it's a model. Fifty-fifty deal. No, actually, we just pay a very low file fee, uh, like sub 500, and the rest of the profit comes to, to me. Got it. And now you still own this title company, right? Correct. Yep. Uh, Mike Doyle is no longer involved in it, but I oh, own it not. as Keystone okay. State Abstract. Okay, so he got out, and then you're, you own it. And then, okay, so that's, that's year three you're going into that. Okay, so take me through that year. So year three, uh, we start throwing around the idea of – well, let's open up our own company and run things the way we want. And really the only franchise that kind of gave us the roadmap to kind of do whatever we wanted was Remax. We could run, as long as we don't touch the logo, as you know, or the sign, we could do basically whatever we want in-house with the brand. We, were, um, we basically knew that we wanted to open our own brand and we had to run things to be competitively. And in our minds, that was easily half of Keller. And at this time, Doyle and I are throwing around these ideas. So... We knew we wanted to be 85-15 on the split. We knew we wanted to be 15,600. That's about all we knew. Well, stop, and stop, I, stop a minute here. So we knew we wanted to be 15,600. What's that mean? Uh, for the cap. So basically, so knew we knew our... To be an 85, you, you knew you wanted to be on an 85-15 split for all your agents with a cap of the most they're going to pay to REMAX is 15-6. But then they still got to pay the 5% franchise fee forever, right? Correct, which... Yeah, so that well, we actually build that into the fifteen percent. Yeah, but um, once you once you hit the cap, you still got to pay that five percent, right? Yep, they still get us for the five. Okay, and then uh, just another question popped in my mind. I appreciate you being candid with all this because this is, sure. I, I think, fascinating stuff. How do you split the title insurance profit with with your partner? Well, so currently, I don't have any partners on any of the businesses. So no, no, I mean, like, like, so when you pay them five hundred bucks, and then they, do you get like, you know, title insurance has like what, like seventy five, eighty percent commissions on? Oh, it. who gets that? Yeah. Uh, me. That all comes straight back you, to me. You get all the commissions on title insurance. Correct. Correct. Yeah, that, that's nice. Okay. Okay. Yes, yeah, we've had we've had so many attorneys and other title companies call us, and I'm like, hey, before we even meet, because I learned my lesson. I was like, before we even meet, let me tell you what we pay per file. And they're like, oh, never mind. We can't beat that. Don't ever yeah, give that up. That's, that's a pretty good deal, yeah. Yeah. So basically, I had a, at this point, I had cash in my account. I had a little bit of cash. I didn't have a lot of cash. But I had you know, credit cards with good limits. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go buy the REMAX franchise. So I called corporate, called Elena. And next thing you know, we, we owned a REMAX three months later. 
and we actually ended up opening. I believe gotta, it don't was. Don't you got to pay like fifty grand or twenty five grand for that? Uh, yeah, it was twenty uh, thirty grand, thirty, 30 grand, grand for the Philadelphia okay. market. And then fee wise, what I knew I could do at this point, I I'd worked some real estate deals that I didn't even get to yet, but I I had this idea that I could do everything I wanted to do without money, and I I pretty much did that. Yeah, so so far you have. Yeah, so I I. I had that idea with Remax. Obviously, I had to buy the franchise, but I found I went on a search, and I kind of I kind of had to take a hit initially. But I went to Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania, and I found a landlord in a corporate building that did the build out and gave me an entire year's free rent. So that gave me an entire year. Oh, and they gave me the furniture. That was the big piece. So I basically then opened the company with absolutely nothing out of pocket. Now, is, how far is Plymouth from where you were selling your 25 houses a year? How far is that? So I sell everything in Northeast Philadelphia. So for me, it's 40 minutes away. And oh, we're yeah. in Manioc now. And it's still 40 minutes away. But So it was 40 minutes away. And that would be a psychological you know, barrier for, I think, a lot of people. They'd be like, mm, I don't want to open something 40 minutes away but you said hey you know what i'm not looking at that i'm looking at the fact that i get a year's free rent and free furniture right bigger picture a bigger picture and sometimes you just need to take that hit so you open up this office you don't have any agents right Um, no agents got a franchise and you got a title company and you know you got your business and that's it so 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 take me what'd you do there well then i realized i was like shit i better optimize and take advantage of every minute i have and uh, at some point before this, I found Grant Cardone and his 10x rule and all that shit too. So I start literally a massive recruiting campaign, like one of those campaigns that pisses people off, you know, where they're getting slide dials, they're getting text messages, they're getting emails, they're getting bombarded. Wait a minute, um, so, so slow this down too, because, you know, someone listening might, first of all, first of all, they might not understand what 10x is. So I want you to explain that, sure. but also I want you to explain this so somebody in Tupelo, Mississippi that's driving down the road right now listening to this is saying, I want to do the exact same thing Joseph is doing. So so explain it like that. Yeah, so essentially what I had started to do was my your first reaction, I guess, when you buy a a real estate brokerage, unfortunately for a lot of people is not not to recruit. I think people get caught up in the minutiae of let me set up all these crazy systems and let me start producing more as a broker, you know, get deals in and they're thinking about the short-term cash flow. Me, I was willing to take the risk of maybe I won't have any money for a while. So I started selling at the same time. I was trying to sell full-time, but I was trying to recruit full-time. And I knew that I had to recruit 24 hours a day so that I could sell as well. So, and selling obviously takes me being involved, but recruiting, I could set up a CRM and I could set up basically a drip campaign, but a really, really advanced, annoying one. So I purchased old leads, not for their leads, but for their CRM. And I didn't really know of any other product. What's what's bold leads? So bold leads, they'll do, their CRM is is the good part about it for me. They do generate buyer and seller leads if you want them. And they use uh, geo-targeting Facebook They're like Boomtown or Commissions Inc. Yeah, just like any other one, any other of them. Okay. But their CRM was cool. And it was, what I was able to do was build a funnel for recruiting. And I was able to purchase the ability to text, slide dial, um, slide dials like those voicemails where your phone never rings and send out as many emails as I wanted. Okay. So I created campaigns with corporate help to harass everybody in the Philadelphia area, which are still running to this day. Wait a minute. Okay. Um, Slow it down. Where'd you get the email addresses? uh, So the email addresses, I actually got those from, um, what's that program called? Uh, Broker metrics. 
They have. So I was able to get broker metrics. Yeah, yeah. If you purchase broker metrics, you can get it. What's up, a brokers, a team leaders, office managers, and rainmakers of teams? I got a question for you today. What are the two most frustrating things about running a real estate team? The two things that cause you more headaches than anything else. Think about it. The brokers I've talked to have all given me the same answer. Recruiting and retention. If you're in the same boat, if nothing you've tried seems to work, I've got some good news. Your problem finding, recruiting, and retaining high-quality agents are about to be over. I'm launching my new Retoot course, a course that provides an in-depth, first-ever look at the recruiting and retention secrets of the industry's top recruiters. To kick off Retoot's launch, I'm offering the course along with two other high-value items at a super low price to podcast listeners. Since I'm throwing in two free items with my Retoot Secrets course, I'm going to simply call it my 123 discount package. Okay, so let me talk to you about the 123 discount package. In addition to Retoot, you're going to get a subscription for each of your teammates or anybody in your office to my big profit weekly jackpot emails, which are basically agents from around the world giving advice on how to increase your profit on a daily basis in this business. If your agents put these effective, easy to implement tips to use, their sales and most importantly, their profits will improve. Plus, I'll provide you with a year's worth of monthly sales meetings, content to have at your sales meeting so you don't have to struggle figuring out what to say to your agents or your team. I'm calling it my Lunch and Learn Sales Training Series. That's an entire year's worth of sales meetings that you won't have to plan and that your agents are guaranteed to get massive value from. So to recap, purchasing the 123 discount package gets you one, my brand new Retoot course, two, my big profit agents weekly jackpot emails for everybody in your office, and three, a year's worth of lunch and learn training sessions. If you want this limited time package, act fast and go to hybendigital.com backslash 123. Real easy, hybendigital.com backslash 123. So, so you just bought them and then you just, and they get, Broker Metrics gave you the cell numbers too. Yep, we got and then, and then what did you say? In, I mean, essentially, from what I, from what I get, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you're building this model where, where it sells itself. And by that, I mean, hey, you know, 85% split, the most you pay in is 15 grand. You know, is that your, is that your, is, was that your proposition? Is that your value proposition to get them? Because it's very hard, you know, a lot of, a lot of places will go and, and recruit agents and it's a long process. You know what I mean? You're building relationships, you're building, it's not just a text or an email, you know what I mean? It sure. starts with a meeting and then inviting them to events and it's, uh, this sounds more like, 
you know, let me just send them stuff and get them to raise their hand from an economic standpoint. Is that kind of what your thought was? Yeah. Well, so it was a combination, right? So I had a lot of agents that were producing that that did a lot of volume, 10 million plus that I was like, well, if they come, that's really going to change my business. But I knew that that was going to take time. So what I did was I did look for the low hanging fruit. I looked for the people that maybe were stuck at other brokerages, not producing, didn't really have any guidance, um, and they didn't have leads. And what I did was I signed up for OpCity. So the agents were able to get free leads, essentially free up front, and they pay a referral fee. Um, and I taught them how to increase their, their lead generation through OpCity. So we actually have agents working OpCity leads that get like 30, 40 leads a week. And that all has to do with it's, uh, their response time. So it's how quickly do they respond to the leads, update the leads, things like that. And so that's huge. I, have, I have always said that um, if, if someone wants the, the biggest value proposition a brokerage could have, I really believe at the end of the day is leads. I, I, the, there was an agent that worked for me, good friend, Michelle Langanetic. She's out of Connecticut now. And she was asking me some advice on uh, Facebook the other day. And then she sent an email. She goes, I, I, you know, I figured out where I'm going to go, where I'm going to put my license because they have OpCity and they're giving me leads. And I thought, there mm-hmm. it is. You know what I mean? There's the value proposition. Really, agents want, you know, especially if they're new to an area or getting their license for the first time or getting, you know, wanting to increase business or, or slowing down. That's really what a value proposition is. Now, I'm not saying that that is the right thing for the agent in the long term because I believe in the long term they really should get their own business and be listing agents. But for a brokerage that want to, get agents fast and recruit agents, L-E-A-D-S. That's, that's how you do it. So that's what yep. you did. And you started saying, hey, you're a new agent. I'll give you leads. And then you started giving them leads. They started closing leads and telling other people about it. Yeah, yeah. So they started, uh, so I would get the agents who weren't doing a lot of business easily, or I would get brand new agents easily. And that was great for me because, you know, you know, people say, oh, you don't want to spend your time training agents. And I was like, well, I don't really have a choice. You know, how else am I going to grow my business being brand new to the industry and being 26 or at this time, 24. So I was taking everybody I could get. And we're now at the 40, 42 agent mark with 12 loan officers in-house. That's where we are now. Right, right, and obviously right. I had a huge. So, so are you limited on the amount of city leads you can get? Uh, no, the agents limit themselves. And so it's interesting because you'll get an agent, you know, the, the, the top agents, the good agents will grab these leads and go, wow, this is freaking great. I'm getting leads every day. I got something to work. I got something to keep my team busy. And then the, the agents who don't want to put in the effort, they don't want to call the leads 15 times. You know, they get a lead that's a hundred thousand. These leads suck. Yeah. Well, you know what, dude, you suck. Okay. The leads don't suck. You suck. And some leads it's volume based. So yeah, if you get 40 leads a week, of course, you're going to close a couple. But if your response time's slow, you're not updating the leads, you're only going to get four or five. And of course, you're not going to close anything. Then, that, then, then they stop it, right? Like the opposite. Yeah, especially if you don't update them. If you don't update them. And, it's, and some of it, it's broker. Like it could hurt you as a broker too, right? Like if your agents are Correct. slack, lackluster, they're going to they're gonna stop going to you. Because you control Correct. them at the end of the day. Because here's the thing. People don't realize this. This, you know, this is something that's very important with these op city leads. Is that, you know, if that agent leaves, you as Remax broker are responsible for that referral fee if they sell them a house at that other broker. Yeah, 
Yep. And so that's something that we had to do an addendum to everybody's contracts and, and things like that. And, you know, what I, I guess what I really found is that after bringing in all the leads and we started kind of shifting to more of a, a culture of, of training and development. And we worked with, you know, Matt Van Winkle, right, from REMAX Northwestern. Yeah, Remax Northwestern. So, yeah, yeah. Well, he rolled out the perfect agent system. And we've been using that as a recruiting tool as well. And that's essentially a platform that they created in-house where it takes the agent cradle to grave from, hey, here's how you set up your social media, the systemization of their business, the finances of the business, and then, hey, how do I scale a team? How do I hire employees? And it's a three-year program. And it's incredible. It's changed our agents' businesses. And then take me through the mortgage. So at some point here, you said, hey, I'm going to open up a mortgage company. Yeah, so when Remax rolled out Motto Mortgage initially, I was one of the people who bought, I was actually the third person to buy into that. We quickly got out of that. It just wasn't a good model. I'll leave it at that. And we ended up realizing that I could be much more profitable and it's so easy to get licensed. Why, so they wanted I was too like, much? Is that the deal? I mean, just wasn't. The, fee, the fees were hefty and there were some compliance issues and things like that, that it just made more sense for us to be on our own. And okay. everything that they were providing, I could get, I mean, basically free, Pat. It was basically what we were paying. It didn't even make sense. When you actually looked at acquiring these things and brand is great. Like I understand paying for brand, but there was no brand yet. So there's no brand. Yeah. No one knows yeah. mortgage at this point. Yeah. Right. So we went out and we started, um, home front mortgage. I got the name trademarked. They should have called it I, Remax mortgage. I don't know why they <laughs> Remax mortgage because I mean, that would be, that Keller would be, did. Keller did. He called it Keller mortgage. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah, because then got the then, money then, to fight the CFPB. So then, then you got yeah. So okay, keep going. So so you open up uh, another mortgage company. Now you got twelve. How long ago did you open up this mortgage company? It was about, I guess, two, two and a half to three years ago. And they have twelve up. loan officers. Yeah. So, so we know, normally people think, hey, I'm going to open a mortgage company for an office of forty-two agents. Uh, you know, I can get one mortgage officer there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, one, like not twelve, but one to service those forty-two. What do you? How, yeah, I want I want Homefront to be national. I want Homefront to be national. Homefront's going to go national at some point. We're licensed in six states now. The goal is all 50, uh, 53 states and territories, and just expand nationally with that. Because one, the profit margins are much much higher on the broker side. It's it's almost ridiculous. Like we're getting a lot of people from banks and correspondent lenders now that they can't beat us because of their rates because they have to pay underwriters and processors and all these other, you know, like freedom mortgage is a great example. Like I think they have five loan officers and 18 million C-suite executives. And I'm like, I don't know how they're profitable and they're not. So, and their people are getting killed on rate. So what we started to do was initially, yeah, we hired our three or four loan officers to work our in-house leads and they get op city leads as well. But then we also hired loan officers and said, Hey, I know you saw my LinkedIn profile. You saw Remax. Those leads aren't yours. Yes, you'll get some bleed off, right? I mean, naturally, some of my agents will like you and you'll start working together, but I want you to go out or I want you, or we started hiring people that had a book of business existing already. And very, very quickly, you know, we hired a ton of loan officers from call centers and, and places like that. And then I had a hundred percent turnover and I learned that the call center loan officers are not good. They, they're used to cranking out leads, um, which is, again, where leads can be a, a downfall of your business. If, if someone's only used to working leads that you handed them, those people are not very good. They're not producers. They don't learn how to interact, and they don't build relationship skills. So we started recruiting loan officers who either I have been to closings with 
or they worked for Allied, but the point was they had to be self-generated almost 100%. And those people have taken our business to a whole nother level. And, and, then, and then the way that you recruited them to a two-year-old mortgage company yeah. that, that doesn't have any brand recognition is economic, the same way you get your agents, right? It's like, I'm going to give sure. you a better deal than Allied. Right, right. Or we'll match it. A lot of times it was, hey, we'll match it. Uh, we'll provide leads and uh, we'll 1099 you where a lot of companies won't, but they're able to be 1099. Why? Yeah. Why? Why is that? Because that, that, that's something I know a lot of mortgage officers and, and yeah. the majority of them are, are all of them that I know are W2. So, so tell me about that one. Yeah. So for a while. And they um, pay a hell of a lot of taxes. I mean, like an right. incredible amount of taxes. And they can't write anything off, but they they're doing just as much advertising as realtors. And they can't be a real estate professional in their tax returns either. So, right. you know, so what, what do you do? Like, how do you do that? I guess that's, is, is that, is that a fake rule? Yeah, no, no, it was a real rule for a while, about until about maybe a year and a half ago. Um, and then in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, where we do most of our business, one of my loan officers said, well, I want to be 1099 now. And I said, well, you, you still can't. Like, I can't just pay you that. And they said, no, look, here's an email from the state. So I called up to the state and they said, yeah, you're, we, uh, we changed the rules. Your loan officers can be 1099 again. That's, that's um, huge. That's huge. Yeah. So that was a huge selling point for us. And that's all you so need, started- really. I mean, if they understand the, va- the value of being able to do your own taxes, I mean, right. that's huge. And- yeah, and as long as they get that and they're not too afraid of the whole, and they're not too afraid of the IRS and they'll use the uh, tax code that we have voted for, then they'll do well. Um, you figure they would see enough self-employed people's tax returns by doing the loans for self-employed people that they would be like, I want to do that. Yeah, you would think. I always say, hey, as long as you're not buying a mortgage or you're not getting a, a mortgage in the next couple of uh, years, you're good to go. But even then, now we have mortgage programs where, like our mortgage brokers, we can go down to 500 FICO for FHA and VA, but we also have bank statement programs again. We have this one crazy program where if you have shit credit, all you need to do is go and dispute every single item that's negative, and then that wholesale lender will use your forecasted score if those items were removed. They don't have to be removed, just the thought of them being removed, and we could do your loan based on that score. That's crazy. That's asinine. Non-prime. They're asking. Non-prime. Not subprime. Non-prime. Pat, it's back. And, and that's dangerous, but uh, yep. it's fascinating. But hey, you know, it's not my money. So, right, so, right. so, so this is this is awesome. And then uh, tell me, how in the how, how in the world do you buy a hundred houses? Like, where'd you get the money for that? What do you do? How do you do that? Right. All right. So that was so that's how Doyle and I met. All right. So that's a part that I didn't throw in. So when I was working with Nancy, I had a guy from a Northeast Racket Club, big gym in the Northeast, um, older Jewish guy who used to. I used to talk to him all the time and I never knew, like he just looked like normal old guy that I talked to in the gym and always just exchanged hellos with. And one day I'm talking to him and I told him that I got licensed to sell real estate. And he's like, Oh, I own Mazer real estate on Stanton Avenue. And I said, Oh, okay. Well, can I come to your brokerage? And he said, well, you don't want to work here. It's not one of those where you, you know, it's not like a sales brokerage. So he said, listen, I got a couple deals for you, but what I want you to do is buy and sell real estate with clients for like, six months, sell a couple houses, and then let's go to lunch. So we did. So I did. I started selling houses, hustling. And I was like, I got to figure out what this guy has. So over the course of the six months where I'm trying to buy and sell, he lets me know that at one point he owned over 5,000 units. I mean, he was working with big people like the Galman group, uh, people like that from the area. So I eventually get to go have lunch with him multiple times. 
And maybe at our third or fourth lunch, he goes, Joe, I have 91 properties I need you to sell. It's a $14 million portfolio. And I was like, he's like, do you know how to do that? Absolutely. <laughs> like, sure, Bob, I'll figure that out. So I start marketing this property to everybody. And Mike Doyle sees that. And that's how Mike Doyle and I get connected. He brings me on his team at 95.5. He was, wait a minute, he was trying to sell 91 to, to one person, right? Yeah, he wanted to sell it as a portfolio. As a package, as a package for $14 million. For $14 million, yeah. And I it was mean, all in yeah. Mount Airy and Chestnut Hill. Fascinating. Section of Philadelphia. Yeah, it was that, cool. That, the cash flow was great. Or what is that? Is that? No, that's a nice spot, actually. That's, okay. um, well, Mount Airy is like middle class, but it's starting to gentrify significantly. And Chestnut Hill is a very wealthy area, and okay. they border each other. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. So, so these were suburbs and, and so he had 14, did you sell it? No. So what happens is I That's start running around sale. like crazy. That's a hedge fund. Yeah. Let me know. Well, what ended up happening was him and his partner were able to arrange a line of credit to renovate them all and then flip them individually. One so that's what one. they ended up doing. Yeah. So wonder, it's up wonder, for me. Wonder, did they get more than 14 for it? They actually, well, if they had rehabbed them and sold them individually, they would have gotten closer to 18 million. So it made more sense for them to do that. Yeah. But that process is still going on. So oh. in the course of doing that, Mike Doyle and I, we were like, well, wait a minute. Why can't we buy a portfolio like this? You know, if we bought them at a significant enough discount, 100% seller financed, we could refinance them with a lender. And then whatever the difference was, you know, if we got 80% LTV and there was 20% left over, if the seller was willing to hold that as a seller second note, a quiet note, then we could basically buy this portfolio. Mm -hmm. So we tried to do that with Bob and we were the last buyer of that portfolio before they decided to just go and rehab these individually. So at the end of the day, Mike goes and he runs for office. You know, he was running for state rep locally. Um, and I went to my, do my Remax thing, but I never let go of this idea that I could buy these properties hundred percent. And then over the summer of the first year I opened Remax, I'm telling you, I submitted like 300 to 400 letters of intent through Crexi, C-R-E-X-I.com. It's what so easy that? to- What's Crexi? It's kind of like LoopNet, but it's, um, it's just much more user-friendly and you can submit letters of intent like in seconds. To, so- yeah. And that's how- it's So I just started doing that's that. Where, that's where residential eventually go to, I believe, is uh, 
letters of intent because it's so faster, you know? Well, it should. Yeah, it yeah. should. I mean, writing the whole package is crazy. But Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Okay, so, so, so you started doing that just random, and a couple people said, okay. Yeah, so basically, I submitted over 300, and finally, some guy called me from Pittsburgh, and he's like, you know, I, he's like, I'm only calling because this is insane. He was like, so you're asking the sellers to give you the property. And I was like, yeah, well, if it's free and clear, or even if it's not, we can hold the deeds in escrow. But if it's free and clear, I want them to sell me the properties. I'll give them deed in lieu of foreclosure, 100% seller finance. I'll make payments, give me an entire year, and I'll refinance the portfolio with my mortgage company at 75% loan to value. Mm, okay. And then if, and in the contract, it said that if there was a difference between the 75% and the, the balance due, that you would automatically hold a seller, you know, a seller second for that amount. So luckily I got them to say, yes, the problem was I still didn't have any money. And then the bank said, well, you need to get appraisals. So I happened to literally on the last night that the bank was saying, you need to pay for these appraisals so we can push this deal through or we're going to kill it. A kid that I went to grade school with, who's a Philly cop now, Carl Schnitzer, we own these together. He messages me on Instagram, which at this time, I didn't even know what Instagram was. I had a profile with no pictures and I had a DM on there. And he's like, hey, if you ever see, if you ever see a duplex come up in the Northeast, let me know I'm looking to buy another property. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, if he already owns a house, he's got 30 grand. I need 30 grand. So I said, Carl, how much do you have? He's like, I have 30 grand. I need to, I said, dude, you're about to buy a hundred properties. He was like, what? Get the fuck out of here. Next thing you know, he wires the money to finance of America. A few months later, we close on the deal, refinance them out. And uh, we own a hundred properties, cash flowing over, well, the gross income's over 561,000 a year. So we literally went from two idiots who just wanted to buy a portfolio, hundred percent financed to gross incomes of 561,000 a year. Now we're a hundred percent leveraged, but we're still cash flowing 15 grand a month. Wouldn't you be 75% leveraged or you're, you're, you uh, technically a hundred percent because of the seller second, but you haven't refied them yet or have you? Oh, we did. Yeah, we did. You we did, did it really quick. And, and so that guy got 75% of what you paid him pretty much. Yep. Right and then he's holding his, the difference in a note. His, his risk was minimal. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And so like, okay, so here's the questions, right? So, yeah. so how, how much like $561,000 in rents coming in? Like, what do you net out of that? Uh, we do, we bring in right now after mortgage payments, you know, reserves, everything else, about 15000 a month. Okay. We so also make- have, yeah, I always say we have a shitty savings plan, the way this bank is structured. So they actually build into the mortgage, which is good and bad. Because obviously our property management companies makes these repairs up front, but yep. the mortgage company makes us escrow for taxes, which is awesome because you, you always see people yeah, own a ton of, course, of properties. Of course, yeah. You know, screwed, yeah. Water they're bills, always screwed on taxes. Yeah. yeah. So luckily they pay that up front, but then they also res- they escrow for insurance, uh, which is standard, and then cap CapEx and monthly um, rent roll. So. They, they do a lot of escrows, so it's like a shitty savings plan for Yeah, Carl. yeah, but it's prudent. That's that's how it is yeah. in my shopping center, too. They, they've got like almost 100000 just sitting there in escrow for, for incidental. So, okay, so <laughs> you make a little cash on that, and, and then what, like, uh, you know, what's what's the biggest moneymaker for you? Mortgage, title, real estate agents, real estate commissions from your own sales? What, what, what's sure. the jackpot? Which one? Pick one. Well, so the real estate agents, they feed the mortgage and the title, but my profitability is significantly higher on mortgage and title. So mortgage and title, 
make me a lot of money. But the real estate agents feed that. So the key so, so to this say, entire business. Let's say zero on the let's say zero on the fifteen thousand dollar caps that you got. Um, the rest goes a remax. So what do you make on the mortgage side? What's your profit there? So our profit, we've run profit margins on the mortgage side of about sixty five percent. So monthly, all we have to do is seven hundred thousand in volume a month, and that pays our bills. Seven, like one seven hundred thousand dollar loan. And we're done. And actually, it's less than that now. I don't know if you've seen, um, or it will be less than that on April 22nd, the, the Arrive and AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't, follow, I don't follow that. But detail it out for me. So basically, what they're doing now is there's a resurgence of the brokerage. Everyone knows that, or the broker, the mortgage broker. More, more, where all the mortgage brokers went out of business because... They weren't stable enough. They didn't have enough money in the bank. They couldn't. They they were. They did all these bad loans that forgot foreclosed yep. on. They couldn't. They couldn't make good on them. Sure. They, they they all went out of business, and now you're saying they're all coming back. Yeah, they're all coming back because the profitability of the other the banks, the lenders, like there's Wells Fargo call centers that are just empty in Philadelphia. Multiple call centers have shut down. And they can't afford the expenses. The expenses are too high. So what the wholesale lenders like UWM, Caliber, and all these other companies have realized is their profits are much higher by only paying a broker, you know, 2.75% commission. And that's it. Then they're done with the broker. So they're making a hell of a lot more money working directly with brokers. They're able to give us better rates. And we're able to beat out everybody. And if you really wanted to be competitive, you could cut your compensation. So no matter what, we're always beating everybody else. So there's just a huge resurgence there. And actually what happened was Anthony Casa, he, he used to run, uh, he used to own Garden State Home Loans, massive mortgage company in Jersey. They, him and another guy, Mark Summers, opened up AIM. And their goal with AIM was to get in 8,000 mortgage brokers who basically wanted to form an association similar to NAR, except AIM was going to be free. Well, they ended up getting like 42,000 to sign up in the time that they wanted 8,000. And then UWM and Caliber and all these other wholesalers said, wait a minute, here, take, take our money, continue, run with this, take a salary out of this, you know, start this organization. So now they're basically setting everything up for us where we could be a mortgage broker. We don't have to pay for software anymore. The only thing we're going to have to pay for is our rent and our credit reports. Everything else is going to be through one loan origination system and streamlined to connect directly with the wholesaler. So now we've had the ability to cut out a processor. We don't need a middleman anymore, or we can use contract processing. Why don't you need a processor? Because the issue before being a broker was that you had to take it from your LOS, yeah. and then you had, to, you had to put it in you had to follow a UWM. Yeah, you got to put it in UWMs and then check for conditions and go back and forth. Yeah, it's all about the conditions and go back. And you're saying now it's like automatic. Like there's, It's there's, all in the there's, system. There's emails that are like, dude, you know, get me that income verification or go talk to your yep. boss. He doesn't need a live person. It's all been taken over by AI, basically. The, the system is a one-stop shop. The, the credit reports, shop. pricing, okay. everything is done in our – it's going to be you called a You got to go in there and see if there's any need for you to – call the people once in a while so it's all That's so it. so let, let's talk about this so the mortgage you get 2.7 percent on every mortgage and then what do you what do you have to pay out besides i mean you pay out a credit report and you pay out rent what do you pay the broker one percent the eight yeah so the yeah. the loan officer normally gets about uh one percent to one and a half percent and so then the rest it, profits say, for the company and then the rest yeah. is profit so you make 1.3 let's say per deal 
and uh, you know if your average loan is three hundred thousand, that's gonna be you know four thousand bucks each yeah. single deal. Um, and then title, what do you make on those? What do you make uh, so, per, per per transaction? Would you say? So we do a four ninety five transaction fee. So let's say our standard sale of um, you know two hundred thousand is about our average. We would make sixteen hundred or so is the gross. We'd pay the file fee of four ninety five, so we're still walking away with about eleven hundred profit there. Eleven hundred plus eighty percent of the commission. Yeah, and of course, there's there's little fees in there, right? Of the like, title insurance, you know, which is, you know, generally runs a percent or so, right? Yeah, yeah. If, and if we're the only owner, if they get owner's title. Right, right, and we always get them. You know, make sure they get the enhanced policy and things like that. So our right. profit margins are pretty high very high on that. And so one of the things I'm doing now, two really cool things, I think that people are going to really like, and, you know, I think Keller has done a good job with retention and bringing people in and making them owners of other companies and, and their in-house title and things like that. And they're going to do that with Keller Mortgage. We're starting an all-state insurance office out of the office where every agent and loan officer are going to be owners of the all-state insurance brokerage. And then we're also starting a private equity fund. So when Carl and I hit 300 properties, we're doing two things. We're going to, um, we have connections with the FOP in Philadelphia. Carl's a cop. My dad's been a career cop. Um, we know the people who work in the FOP. And our goal is to get the police officers to redirect their deferred comp to our real estate fund. And then also because every realtor and every loan officer, and you know this, you've talked to so many, everyone wants to be an investor, but none of them ever do it. And, or they do it and they get burned one time because they try to rehab houses because that's the buzzy thing to do right now. And unless you have a really, really good system, a lot of times people fail. So, but buying and hold, you can't go wrong buying and hold a building wealth. You really can't, especially if you have more than 10 units. You know, it's really hard. Well, to you can go wrong. I mean, it, it, it's all about holding forever. You know what right, I mean? Exactly. That's, that's exactly. the thing. It's, a, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't, you know, yeah. And they may not, you know. They know that, right? The, whoever you're going to yeah. talk to down there is going to know that, and they're going to—they're not going to give you their entire pension. They might give you a couple percentage points of it or something. Yeah, yeah, and that's the goal. So our goal is pretty much to create a private equity fund where we, you know, we get these either non-accredited investors mainly. It's going to be non-accredited investors to put their money up, and we'll buy multifamily and single-family portfolios all over the. By place. the way, you're going to need like a million dollars to get through the legal pay. A friend of mine just did that, and it's. It's between five hundred and a million to just to to open a private equity fund legally. Yeah, yeah, one, I know. It's especially a, one that's doing real estate. So that's that's gonna that's not gonna be one of your deals where you're gonna be able to get into it for nothing. No, no. And so what we're doing now is working with because we've been successful on the hundred properties, we've been able to make connections with a couple of local Bitcoin guys and people that have a lot of cash, and we're actually buying forty four units in Detroit, twenty nine in Indiana. And then there's another 100-unit deal that we're working on down in Florida. So we've been able to line up the investors to get us to the 300 units quickly. Um, and now we have, we'll have a track record of, hey, here's, here's the properties, here's the forecast, here's the rent rolls. Um, and we can show a track record of success. And most of the time, nine times out of 10, you know, oh, actually, I shouldn't even say that. We're, we're producing more results than their 401k is easily. So it kind of makes sense for them to put money into this and be a little more diversified and actually own an asset that someone isn't taking, you know, necessarily management fees out of, you know, the management company is, but we won't. So we're going to do the structure a little differently, similar to how Grant Cardone is structured, but without all the crazy fees. 
Well, be fun. Be interesting to watch that one. I think that'll be your most difficult venture to date yeah. and, and hardest in this market. I mean, we're obviously at the peak of a market and in uh, the numbers, don't, I mean, what, you know, the numbers on your first hundred don't even don't sound that great to me. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to figure out a way to make them make that cash on cash better. But that, that's all in, in the, in the future. I mean, you, it, I like your idea of, uh, the profit on mortgage and title is certainly a lot, uh, probably a lot more lucrative than the, than the buy and holds of, of these properties. But you know, it all, it all depends on what you get them at and, and who's to say, right? So this, this has been fascinating, man. So, and I, I love the way you just, you know, have done all this stuff so fast. I love the way how you figure out to do it with not much upfront or zero upfront. And you're only 26 years old. And, yeah, and I appreciate you, you know, uh, coming on here and not BSing me and and being candid with me and you you know explaining everything to me. So I I I really enjoyed this conversation. So let me ask you this, Joseph. Um, everybody that comes on the show um, brings with them a free gift, and what we do with that free gift is I'm going to put it in your show notes, right? And so, yeah. guys, this one is going to be i'm going to just hmm, uh, yeah i'll do i'll spell it out i'll say hybendigital.com backslash joseph mccabe hybendigital.com backslash joseph mccabe it's easy it's two c's obviously mccabe and i'm going to put it there i'm going to put all your contact information in case any of you guys want to reach out and and talk to joseph and ask him some more detailed questions or give him some referrals or whatever all his contact information his instagram they never checks will be on there and any <laughs> social media links um what, what's your free gift you're bringing today bro so that's the same thing i, I kind of did this on toby's show and toby said you know it'll be interesting to see who actually calls you because i pretty much said hey you know you want to learn what i'm doing you want to run something past me freaking call me you know you want to learn how i bought the 100 properties and you think people would want to learn that give me a call but not many people did so my free gift is this, you know, if you want to learn how I bought the properties, if you want to call me and really ask in-depth questions, I'm 100% in for that. So shoot me an email and let's set up a time. I'll go through exactly step-by-step step how I started the mortgage brokerage, the real estate brokerage, the title company, whatever interests you, or if there's any other business idea you want to run by me that maybe I can help you out with, give me a call, shoot me an email and, and let's make it work. I, I think right now, I think the most popular thing and the, the thing people call me about most is how do I buy real estate the same way you did? And I'm happy to go over that and, and explain it and go through that whole process with you. So did you have, so you have, do you have something in writing that they could just download and look at without having to call you? I wish I could put something together though and get it over to you. Yeah. Just like a top 10 lessons from Joe McCabe yeah. or, or, or top 10 things of, of, what you need to know about how to, you know, build a real estate empire really, really fast. Yeah, let no me get money. that over to you today. Yeah. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, because all our mm -hmm. toolbox items are like pretty much downloadable and, and that'd be great. All right, buddy. Well, listen, anything you want to end this with? No, I just want to, I mean, uh, you're going to put my contact info. So, so that's it. I just, you know, I think just the most important thing is that one thing that most of my agents get caught up in and, and it's the thing that everyone needs to let go of right now is you do not need a plan. You do not need to know every script. You do not need to know exactly how to do the listing appointment or how to run a buyer. You just need to freaking get out there, start doing it, calling leads, and you need to screw up. Number one key is screw the hell up and fail. If you don't fail, you will never be successful. I fail every single day, but I just embrace it because obviously every failure is a good thing or I wouldn't be where I am today. 
So I'm just one step closer every day. And I just, that's the key. Just keep taking action um, and keep getting up every day and just take the punches. Perfect as the enemy had done. Yep. Amen. <laughs> Indeed, Joseph. All right, well, listen, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day and uh, coming on the show. And, um, you know, next time I'm in the Philly area, uh, next time I'm in the Philly area, I have a lot of friends there. I will uh, look you up. We definitely need to get together and break some bread because at that point, Absolutely. I'm sure you'll have about 800 mortgage officers, 700 <laughs> title reps, and uh, 300 more agents. So it'll be That's fun. That's the plan. That's the plan. Thanks, Pat. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. If this free content is giving you a ton of value, I want to ask a small favor in return. I need you to pull out your pointing finger and hit the subscribe button. Yes, hit subscribe, please. The more subscribers that we get on Real Estate Rockstars, the better guests are attracted to the shows. We'll get more guests from the top companies, from the top teams, and even more celebrity guests like Robert Kiyosaki and Barbara Corcoran. Also, if you're not a member of our free Facebook group, go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio right on Facebook and join the conversation. I'm on there myself on FaceTime Lives, and we have a lot of communications and questions about the show, and I'd love to see you there. And it's free. People ask me all the time, where am I on social media? I'm real easy to find. Just type in my name. My IG is I am Pat Hyben. It is blowing up on Instagram, adding tons of subscribers. And I'm on there probably twice a day. So definitely follow me on Instagram as well as everywhere else. Thanks again for listening and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.